This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 6, Episode 4, titled Shade the Rusical. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one diabolical co-host. From the podcast pod, is my Kipili. Please sing, <laughs> You Must Love Me, to Taylor the Latte Boy. Diabolical or diabetic? Because I might be both of those things. I meant biodolical, which I don't even know what that means. Biodolical? Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Uh, how are you, Taylor the Latte Boy? How's life treating you? How's what, what's going on with you? Life's okay. Life's 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 uh, occasionally kicking me in the balls, but it's also giving me joy and wondrous uh, opportunities for, for challenge to challenge myself and to rise above, and that's what I'm going through right now. And that's uh, as far into that story as I'm going to go. <laughs> look, I know when I, when we signed up when we showed up today, you were like, "I want to talk about drag queens," and I was like, "You know what? I'm not going to ask any questions. We're going to talk about drag." You know what? I'm going to tell you what, Taylor. If you're feeling a little low, well, I'm going to tell you this is a perfect. If you want to fucking talk about drag queens, this what? is a perfect, perfect episode. Yes, yes, this is a very, in many ways, a happy episode. Um, so it's 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 a good one, and I will say this: yeah. I, I threw out a teaser because again, I'm watching this episode with my husband, mm-hmm. and we watched the actual episode. I think it was last night, but we watched Untucked tonight. And I said to him, "There is a pivotal moment in this episode of Untucked yeah. that will become very important later on." Oh, really? And he said, "What is it?" And I said, "I'm not going to tell you what the moment is. I'm not going to tell you when it happens. Just be aware." Oh, I so. hope I knew it. I pulled two big long clips, but I hope it's in there. I hope it's not something random. Oh, okay, I hope it's something. I'm random. sure it is. It's 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 leads. Yes, we'll we'll just we'll just well we'll it get there. So. We'll get there. If not, look, I have it. I can always go back and put it in. You know. So by the so, way, I commented yeah, before we, we started because I'm going to turn it back on you mm-hmm. that you got a haircut and you look very very nice. Oh wow! Thank you very much. Now all You're I have welcome. to do, I'm going to tell you something. I was telling someone the other day about this. Uh, do you remember that Robert Downey Jr. Uh, did remember? Okay, I was actually okay. I was talking to someone who's very young and mm-hmm. doesn't remember things, okay? right? And I was talking about how Robert Downey Jr. at one point. Wait, I, you were talking to somebody that was young. <laughs> I know, Taylor. It's it's such a problem. I know. So I'm okay, just used so you- to them not knowing things. <laughs> so and that's how you like it. Yeah, I, every day like I'm the history fucking channel, <laughs> and uh, he was talking about how, well. It's to him, Robert Downey Jr. is just a super famous guy. I said, you don't understand, and this is the craziest thing. He was like, well, we, we pulled out together, Aaron Carter. And he mm. was like, wouldn't you say when he was at his worst, he was like Aaron Carter? 
Who else would yes. there be? Who would be a modern person that he was like the equivalent it, of at his worst? Well, except the difference is people were still interested in what was going on with Robert Downey Jr., whereas Aaron Carter's just kind of a train wreck. You thought for a while. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., for those of our youngest listeners, was kind of the equivalent of Lindsay Lohan about 10 years ago. Where, yes. But this yes. is going back like 20 years ago, where he yes. was a huge mess, where he woke up naked in somebody else's house, like in a kid's room, where he like broke into a house and fell asleep in like a kid's bed yes. or something. And, and he yes. went to jail for a while, too. Yeah, and huge drug yeah. and alcohol oh, yeah. problem, and they told him his career would never bounce back. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lindsay Lohan is a better example, actually, mm-hmm. because I can't see, I can't imagine a world where Lindsay Lohan bounces back. No, I think I think her opportunity for that is long gone. Like she tried with that movie she did with the porn star. That James, James Dean, Dean yeah. guy and mm-hmm. then that kind of stuff. Cut to five years from now when somebody's listening to this and they're just literally – they're looking at an article about recent Academy Award winner Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Look, would you ever thought Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey would have won an award? No. An Oscar? I, yeah. did, uh, I just – I don't get the appeal with him. I don't at all. So, so I was talking about how one of the – I think the turnaround, the turning point, the tipping point for Robert Downey Jr.'s career – was when he recorded that when he made that music video for Elton John for I Want Love. Do you remember this? Oh god, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. That was the one where people were like, "Huh." And I think that led to people going like, "We forgive him." That was sort of his big re- because the song is essentially asking for not asking for forgiveness, but saying, you know, I this is why I do what I do. You know, he, and He was so also on Ally McBeal too oh that's the same right time. yeah he wasn't ally mcbeal you're right you're right so uh anyway the reason i bring that up is because like i was looking it's so sad what a fucking gay guy i am but <laughs> i was looking at that music video because it remind myself and he's like just like the right he's the right thin that i want and i always have this creepy thing i want to do actually i've never done it but whenever i see someone who's my height Mm-hmm. Which is for everyone to know. Here's a here's the funny thing people wouldn't realize is is you and I have such a large disparity in height. Like how tall are you? Five eleven. Oh, at first I thought you were like six three or something. Oh, no, um, no, Rodan is like six three. Oh, my co-host. No, I, I'm five foot seven. Okay, okay. And so whenever I see a celebrity who's five foot seven, or I meet someone who's five foot seven, who's kind of like the perfect weight that I want, not like super thin, just like normal weight. Mm-hmm. I always want to ask them how much they weigh. <laughs> because because as you and I, you know, we're both bigger guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And those weight charts are like way wrong. And I don't know why the medical profession oh, still yeah. uses them. Yeah, well, I, I went to my uh, endocrinologist a couple weeks ago and he said, you know, well, you're at this weight and we could probably get you to, oh what the hell i don't care he said we you should probably get down to like 220 he goes and even that he goes that's still heavy but if you get down to 220 you'd be i'm thinking if i got down to 220 i'd be walking around naked all the time <laughs> would you really i yeah I, well at this point i feel like i'd have lots of excess skin but I, I I couldn't tell you the last time I was 220. But that's one of those – actually, I can tell you the last time I was 220 was probably right after college when I was convinced I looked like I was 400 pounds. And I look at myself now and I'm like, oh, my God, I was adorable. Why didn't I put Taylor, myself out there more? That is so funny that you sent that. In fact, you know, I'm going to see if I can find it right now on my phone. I'm going to send you a picture that someone sent me from like 15 years ago, all right? 
Okay. A, f- a friend sent me from like 15 years ago, and I was like, in the picture, it's a picture of me. We used to watch Survivor together, and I was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I used to I used to do an impression when the show started. I would do an impression of um, the way you know, like the beginning of Survivor when they. Um, uh, hold on, I gotta download this picture. You know the beginning of Survivor when they do like the the per- the, the the how does the however the Survivor theme song goes and like they, they, they focus on the contestant. And he like looks at the camera like super dramatically. Yeah. So, um, why I mean, I'm assuming I've never watched an episode of Survivor. But, You've yeah. never seen Survivor? I watched the ending of the first season. I watched when they, when they awarded Richard Hatch Survivor. But yeah. otherwise, I've never I've never watched a, a whole episode. And I watched the episode where the guy fell into the fire. Those are the only two times I've ever seen it. So I'm sending you a picture of me. I literally thought I was a gigantic fat cow at the time mm-hmm. that this picture was taken. And I saw this and I was like, I would kill to look like this now. Okay. I would kill to look like this. Oh my Oh my god. I would have had the big pants for you back in our 20s. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> um <laughs> I would have been the creepy guy at the end of the bar watching you <laughs> dance with your friends thinking I'd like to see what his in his pants. <laughs> Oh, you could have been uh, Taylor the the Latte Batans. Exactly. Um, but what would be, you know? What would have been my name? Let's let's go through this because you have all these. So everyone, anyone who doesn't listen to the pod is my co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Every you know, people don't generally on the show want their real names used, so they make up names for them. Now, generally, it's kind of organic how it comes up. But what would have been my name if I would have been in the menagerie of uh, of uh, Taylor's boyfriends? So if so if we had been boyfriend, oh god, that's that's tough to put me on the spot like that. So, but, so like so while he's thinking about it, like for instance, the boyfriend that became his husband was Babalu, right? And then before that, his name was Drum, Drum, Drum yeah. Riley Calhoun, Drum Riley Calhoun, and his his co-host Rodan. He he's married to a guy named Gambit, but before mm-hmm. there was another guy named what? Uh, Sprout. Sprout. I was gonna say Patch. So they all have these kinds of names. So uh, you, your task, like much like you don't have to do it this episode, is to think of what my pod as my co-pilot name would have been. Okay, okay, and this is uh, <laughs> okay. So what I'm seeing from this picture, yeah, is we're definitely cute, and we're definitely we're a little stocky, but mm-hmm. we're not heavy. Mm-hmm. And we definitely have features that I would consider to be very Hispanic looking. Yeah. So. Cha-cha. I, cha-cha. <laughs> um, tamale. T- tamale Jackson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you laughed at that. So I'm, I'm stopping there. So Tamale Jackson. That would have been, that would have been your name. Oh, my name would have been Tamale Jackson. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. All so, right. And there would have been pop- ongoing jokes about the size of your burrito and yeah. your taquito and, you know. I think from now on, I'm pod as my co-pilot now. I want to be referred to no longer as Joe Batance, but Tamale Jackson. <laughs> so I just randomly, and I don't explain it. I just no, start saying Tamale it. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, and then you can say like, oh, I'm doing a podcast with Tamale Jackson. And they're like, what? And don't ever explain it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will I will see what I could do about that. We, we have, we've taped our recent episode, and I know I mentioned you at least once. But on the next one that we tape next week, I will... Uh, 
I well, will I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I was, I was you know, I, I listen to Pod as my co-pilot when I'm cooking breakfast and 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 whatnot. And today, you know, I will say, guys, I do have, and actually, te- I texted Taylor about this frequent re- recently, not frequently, recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do text him frequently. In fact, that's what the point of the story is. But um, it, it, I will say, I'm, I feel very lucky. This is why I texted Taylor today. It is a surreal and very lucky experience that you and I are in this community where it's there. I have friends who create content that I enjoy listening to, mm-hmm. but also that I know them personally. And so, like, right. I'll be driving, and it's sort of surreal to hear my name. Like, for instance, I'm making breakfast today, and Taylor was like, and I have to turn my phone off because I don't want to get a bunch of text messages. Joe Batanz, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and I was like, what did I just do? What did I just do? What did I just do? I'm making a breakfast burrito. Yeah, because you never say things teasing me on catching up. Never. Never this. So, you know this uh, tale of the latte boy? Let me tell you something about this tale of the latte boy. Then it goes into some story where I'm literally in my car going, that's not true. That's not how that happened. (laughs) I know. It's always Mike apologizing for you, too. Yes. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, well, I think Taylor maybe meant that. I'm like, no. He didn't mean that. He's a horrible person. He's cruel. Yeah, he's terrible. Um, so, uh, all right. <laughs> so what do we do here on the show? <laughs> oh, you, you know, I was telling... So the other day, I, uh, I, wanted, I wanted to get my knife sharpened. Yes, I, I... Yes, okay. You know the story? I've heard this story recently someplace. Yeah. Oh, so, so then I... Never mind, I'll tell you the story then. Well, I'll tell the story <laughs> to the audience. Okay. I'm going to tell you something. I, I uh... There's a, a farmer's market by where I am, right? And every goddamn week they have, I go there to buy like a four dollar uh, organic plum. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. what is what are your what's your what's your what are your thoughts on on organic fruit or organic food? Um, I get why Taffy is a huge organic food fan, um, and she's especially with like organic milk and stuff. Uh, I, I I'm okay with it. I mean, I I usually just buy the stuff with the with the bug spray on it. But I've been eating that in my entire life, so at this point, I don't see a difference. Okay, you're saying a lot of really good things. First of all, look, organic milk okay makes a little bit of sense to me, right? But some mm-hmm. of the, they go crazy in this organic shit, right? I think organic. First of all, big look. I'm going to tell you something. I've done research into this guy. Fight with people all the time. Some people think that organic means they don't use pesticides. Oh no. They still use pesticides. Mm-hmm. They just use organic pesticides. And by the way, you're like, oh, well, that's not like No, cyanide is technically organic pesticides. Okay? Right. So they can use cyanide as long as it's the, the poison is organic. And you know what? Because it's not as strong, they have to use more of it. They use more than the chemical one. Like, that's just made with, by, you know, uh, whoever that... Uh, what's, what's the name of that company that everyone hates? Uh, Monsanto? Monsanto? Yeah, Monsanto, right? Now, here's the other thing. All right, you don't want poison, but there's people who get, like, organic avocados. That's stupid! The the, the poison never permeates the stupid, thick, uh, pebbly skin. Like, if you're going to get organic raspberries, I get it. You're going to get organic blueberries, I get it. Lettuce, stuff that the poison would actually be on the thing you're going to eat. Organic bananas and organic avocados is so silly because the poison never... no. I don't know what you're talking about. That's dumb. One. Two. And we're going to get all these. People get so crazy about organic stuff. Two. That, that's the part I love. I have a grandmother. I think my grandmother uses this chug 
poison, right? She's 88, right? Grandfather, he's just running the fields, just rubbing poison all over himself. 87, right? What I'm trying to say, I'm not saying that, that, that because they had poison that they live longer. I just don't think it really affects you that much. By the way, that's, a, that's just a gut reaction. Meanwhile, this Linda McCartney, she's eating organic vegetarian shit, dead. What good did it do Linda McCartney? Right? This week, we lose a mini challenge. <laughs> the girls perform in a musical. Trinity Bonina Brown is negative. <laughs> Gia's voice is annoying. Lucian Piani, Lucian Piani is normal. And Adore is adorkable. Everybody performed well, but in the end, April and Trinity were placed in the bottom two. After a great lip sync, Trinity was told to stay while April was asked to sashay away. Joe, name two things you liked about this episode and one thing you didn't. You're putting me on the spot, you asshole, because usually I think about mine when you're doing yours. <laughs> and now I, I know I, mine. If you, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you or? go first. I, I, I think about it usually. I'm, I'll think about it when he's doing okay. his long, rambly one about someone's shoe. I did not remember how much I liked Shade the Rusical. It, I thought it was really well done, and the fact that it was all singing versus just kind of the lip-syncing to the track, I appreciated that more. Um, the other thing that I know that I really liked was I loved this lip-sync, I, and particularly Trinity's lip-sync to the song. This is one of my all-time favorite, probably top 50 songs, and she turned it out, and it was amazing to watch that. Uh, the thing I didn't like, I just, I, I, I don't get Gia Gunn. I don't get, I don't get what, what a bitch she is. However, I recognize that she makes for good television, but she's also kind of that person that you just love to hate. So I'm going to say that is probably was my least favorite part of it. How about you? What are, what are your two favorites and thing you didn't like? Hmm. I, uh, oh, you know what? I really liked. I think it's going to sound really weird and probably get into this later. I really liked seeing young, cute, sane Lucian Piotti. Mm. Yes. Uh, I was like, oh, he, was, he used to be sane. He used to be cute. He used to be like, because also with Lucian Piotti, even when he, before he went insane, he got really cunty. Remember, yeah. like in season seven or something, he was just going to be like, ugh. Like, try, you could tell he was like trying to trap them for the, for the sound bite. You know, yeah. whereas I felt with this one, he wasn't. I felt he was literally trying to make the, have them make a good musical. Right. And he wasn't trying to, like, entrap them in some great soundbite. Uh, that was one thing I liked. I also really liked. Um, ooh, let's see here. I really, really liked. I guess I liked the fighting between what we're going to talk about. I liked Trinity and Bianca's. I, I never knew they fought so much. I didn't remember yeah. that. I didn't remember that either. I think we tend to focus more on the end of the season where, in some ways, Bianca really kind of becomes Trinity's cheerleader. So you can also kind of see that with some of the things that she says. We're going to talk about Untucked later, I'm assuming. And I have some thoughts about Bianca that I maybe didn't necessarily have um, when I watched the season the first time. Yeah, and then what I didn't like, I didn't like... I'm I I'm actually I don't this is so controversial we'll probably get into this too later. I have always felt this way and this episode confirmed it. I'm not a big fan of Courtney and Adore's singing voices. And I don't think they're as good as singers as they make them out to be on the show. I would agree with that. 
I would I would definitely it just seems like they always focused on like the three seconds of that me sort of thing that they did that I yeah. it never sounded right to me whenever they I, I, I would agree with that. Well, Absolutely. part of it, I will say part of it is shitty songwriting, <laughs> I feel like yes. the, what he's making them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of shitty songwriting, but also, um, I just don't like that their style of. I don't. I'm not a big fan of that American Idol style of singing with the melismas and all and, and all the drama. They do. like fucking sing the goddamn song. I don't need right. to hear like the like the the runs that you're doing on on yeah. the on the on the song. So that those would be my two things I like, and uh, one thing I didn't. Um, all right. After the elimination, the girls enter the workroom to wipe off the mirror message from Vivacious. Gia made snarky comments and traded barbs with Bianca. Oh, yes, you're serving. Are you in a white snake video? What are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm feeling my oats. Let me feel my oats. The next day, the girls gathered in the workroom for the day. RuPaul entered and introduced this week's mini challenge female or she male. In the contest, different body parts were shown, and the contestants needed to guess whether those parts belonged to a biological female or a psychological female. Adore and Ben were named the winners of the challenge, but we never saw any of this. In one of the biggest controversies of the entire show, World of Wonder pulled any reference to the show from the episodes after an uproar from the trans community. The mini-challenge only aired on the very first run in 2014. Taylor, do you remember this whole controversy? I do now, (laughs) because I was like... Did I black out during part of the episode? Because I don't remember this. So, and now it makes sense as to why the the captains were picked for each side. Because I didn't understand that, mm-hmm. and I also didn't understand why the episode when I downloaded it was only thirty eight minutes long. So, yeah, you're answering a wealth of knowledge that I I was that was vacant in my head. That sentence makes no sense grammatically, but I understand what I meant. No, I, it made for the very same reasons. That you were confused was I was like, that's when it hit me. And I was like, oh, this must be the episode that had that contest. And so I because went and did the research. Yeah. I also remembered that, that I also noticed that this was the first time that they didn't do or maybe they because they edited this out was there was no ooh girl, you got she male because they've been. No, it was that. just a siren. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, OK, but well, that seems early on for them to have removed that because I thought that happened in season seven for some reason. You know what's so funny? You know what's so funny is they didn't remove it from the first three episodes. You would think they would just do it. I think think the remaining episodes, I think even the remaining episodes, it's just the siren. And you would think in the first three episodes, they would go out and just make it a siren as well. I could see not touching the other seasons. You're like, no, we're not dealing with that. But with the first three episodes, you would think, but they didn't. And so for those of you who don't remember or are too young to remember, they had this contest where they showed pictures of different body parts, and they had to guess whether uh, the body parts belonged to an actual bio- biological woman or to a she-male. Uh, a, 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 but it, I think one of the defenses was it wasn't actually ever trans people. It was drag queens. Okay. I think that was one of the defenses. And... Uh, the the trans community went in uproar, and this is one of the reasons why Carmen Carrera became like persona non grata in the RuPaul world, and um, it it so the the show buckled, even though RuPaul fought back. Yeah, I remember that. I remember her having uh, statements about it. 
And I felt RuPaul made some very good points. I I actually still feel that the sh- that uh, maybe that okay. Look, this is what I feel. I feel that contest was in poor taste, and I understand removing the contest. Maybe they should have never done the contest. Mm-hmm. But the ooh girl, you got she male. Uh, I never really related that to trans people until they they pointed that out, you know, and um, and you know, one of the points she made that I always thought was a great point was that drag queens are meant to buck the system and they like to push boundaries. So actually, by telling drag queens you can't do this, they're going to do it even more. Because that's what drag queens do. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily proven to be true, but I thought it was a really, really good point that being drag was about being punk. And if society says you're not supposed to do it, then you do it. And that so they were almost kind of making a Streisand effect with the problem. And that was one of her defenses. I, I think to this day, she probably still thinks they shouldn't have backed down. Oh, I would agree with that. I, I don't know. I think that a lot of... Okay, how do I say this without getting in trouble? Um, I, I think that part of the fun of that show, especially when we go back and watch these early seasons, is there is a lot of tongue-in-cheek and there is a lot of things aren't being said to hurt feelings. Things, you know, unless they're reading one another. But I mean, as far as the idea, the, the show is supposed to celebrate people that are different. And sometimes the best way that we can celebrate people that are different is to gently tease and to make comments and, to, you know, that kind of stuff in a way that is not hurtful. And I, I feel that there are times that all of us, myself included, but all of us sometimes need to take a step back and recognize that we're not doing this to hurt anybody this is this is not to this is not being done to offend this is being done to celebrate and even if it's a little common like ooh girl you got shemale it's 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 not it wasn't meant to I, I truly don't feel as though she she went into that thinking, oh, you know, be really funny and piss off all of those trannies. Let's say this instead. I think she said it because it was a funny tongue-in-cheek thing. And people just need to stop being so sensitive sometimes. And I know Shut it's up, easy Tubby. <laughs> I know it's easy for me to say that as, you know, especially a white male. It's easy for me to, but, I, you know, some of my favorite jokes have been gay jokes. So that's... You know, we we all can't take ourselves quite so seriously all the time. Um, and also, we should remember too. It, it would be it, it would be fun to go back, not fun, but interesting to go back. That a lot of there were it, it wasn't it wasn't clear cut. There were a lot of trans people who came out in defense of RuPaul as well, and mm-hmm. who made full throated defense of the show. And that's one of the things too that would make me mad is, and I feel gay people can often do this as society as, as a as a group is we attack our own and yes. we attack ourselves and this is a show that has done more for people who question their for gender questioning people for people who have trouble I mean it's so I mean it's it made society so much more welcome to people who question their gender identity and struggle with that that, that even- it, some dumb joke they can be forgiven not even so much gender. I mean, yes, gender identity, but also you have people of size. You have people that maybe aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily subscribe to being one 
you know, to, to, to being any, having any sort of sexual identity of people that maybe are asexual. You have people that are, that, you know, Sharon Needles is somebody, Sharon Needles is somebody that had she not been on the show would have been looked at when she went down the street as a freak. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of people in the world that maybe feel the way they think to themselves, you know, somebody like Sharon Needles is out there and she is becoming America's Drag Next Superstar. I could be like that. It is okay to be that person. You have somebody like Sharon saying the the statement that she makes when people boo, it's just applause from ghosts. Yeah. You know, like like you have people like that that are prevent- presenting this positive image that I, I think sometimes it gets lost. You are absolutely correct. And when you were starting to say that, I was thinking the same thing that there are many times within the gay community. And I would also say within... I would expand beyond that to, I would say, the liberal community or the more progressive community. We tend to eat our own. Mm-hmm. And we're so busy infighting that we don't recognize some of the other issues out there. We, we're, we're too busy, busy battling ourselves to recognize who the real enemy is. As far as – and I'm not, I didn't go into a political thing. But as far as people that are oppressive and people that don't appreciate and celebrate and want to belittle and put us back in our boxes. All right, let's move on. After the mini challenge, RuPaul announced this week's main stage challenge. Now this week, in the most ambitious challenge in drag race history, you'll be performing live in the original production of Shade, the Rusical. <laughs> Wait, I always like pointing this stuff out. I just heard it now listening to the audio. Do you hear the... um? It's called ADR. Do you hear the ADR when she's, they added the word live in? No. Watch, listen. 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 You'll be performing live in the original production <laughs> of... I want to hear that again. I just heard that right now. I was doing that. ...at race history. You'll be performing live in the original production <laughs> of... ...Shade, the Rusical. <laughs> that sounded awful. That was awful. Yeah, but you, you notice that stuff when you're hearing the audio. Um, so funny. Okay. Uh, first, let's talk about Team Ben. Team Ben consisted of Courtney, Bianca, Darian, Gia, and Trinity. During the episode, Courtney felt competitive with Adore, and people found Gia Gunn's voice annoying. During rehearsals, Bianca and Trinity were cast as the pageant queens, and Trinity was none too happy about that. Trinity, does being a pageant queen or a comedy queen seem interesting to you? No, I don't want to be the fuck up, so I'd rather just kind of play it safe. You'd prefer to be a pageant queen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Trinity, she always seems over it. Nothing excites her. Later, during RuPaul's table visit, Trinity continued to doubt herself. Now, Trinity, you seem quiet. Have you done musical theater? Uh, in junior high. Yeah, but she played a tree, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> Just like the acting challenge, you know, this is new for me, too. So, you know, I'm going to give it my best, then. I'm a drag queen. I lip sync. I don't sing live. This is really one of those challenges where you have to work together. And at the same time, stand out as the star that you are. Yes. So get to it, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. During Team Ben's rehearsal with Lucian Piani, Trinity complained about the choreography. Stretch. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to know. When she said, when she said... Who we are you? are the pageant queen. Does that make sense? Can we do it? Because it's a lot different when you're trying to and then fall back into well, it. Well, that's how sure you get to run it so that you can try it. I think 
when we're doing the steps, we need to take smaller steps. So, turn. The problem is turning around. Right before they turn you, get your feet in the right place. So Fuck it, I'll just fall all over the stage. That's it. Later, back in the workroom, Bianca and Trinity had words about Trinity's struggle with the choreography. Turn now you're coming around. with me, Missy. Boom. I'm you. Do you see the difficultness in doing it backwards and then trying to turn around at the same time? And it's really, really fast. She has to be it here. It took you too long to move. I'm telling you, you're supposed to hit it. You have to travel Considering fast. Considering this has been your problem area, take a second and calm down. I walk to her and I say, turn around. I would suggest you figure out what you need to do prior to telling me what I'm not doing wrong. You're absolutely right, Bianca, because you don't do anything wrong. I I apologize that I opened my mouth, and that's why I don't say anything in the first place. All right, Taylor, any thoughts on the Team Ben storyline? Um, Trinity, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to hear that just because I became, I remember really kind of becoming a Trinity fan over the course of the season. And this is part of her storyline. This is part of her arc that we're seeing the insecurity. We're seeing the uncertainty. I think the more important part to that though, um, is how Bianca is talking to her, because this is, we're starting to see the beginnings of the cheerleader here. Definitely. And that she is saying things. She is trying to give her a kick in the ass. And at any, no point do I hear her talking down to her. She's just kind of stating, look, this is what we have to do. So mm-hmm. do it or don't. But, you know, I'm going to tr- I'm going to I'm going to carry you as much as I can. But you I can't carry you all the way. So take the smaller steps and see you want to be here. She has to end up at this part. And I I appreciate that watching this a second time. Um, I, I appreciate Bianca more because of that. How about you? You know, what's funny is you're talking about that and. um yeah, this is a th- I didn't pull it from Untucked, but it comes up on Untucked where she says, basically, her the Bianca Del Rio version of this ain't RuPaul's best friend race. Yeah. And what's funny is I would never have pegged Bianca Del Rio to say that because she has become very close with a lot of them and, um, and actually does sort of become sort of the mother uh, in the group. Yeah. And I think she's trying to fight that. She might, she probably is aware that she can do that and perhaps is even trying to fight her tendency to be like that. She, okay. I, I don't want to get that. Uh, there's really, I, I want to speak to that, but it involves a conversation that is way down the line in another episode when they are talking about Bianca, as far as being a possible finalist or being the, being the, the winner of the season. And I remember, her, RuPaul talking about the fact that she has been so motherly to a lot of the queens and talking with them and supporting them. And she said, and RuPaul says the reason she did it is that she was never intimidated by them. She, she uh, thought the whole time she was going to win. So it didn't matter. You know, there wasn't any, Oh, I don't want to help them because they might get a leg above me. She always in her head figured I'm here to win this. So I, whatever you do, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be scared by you. So here, if you need help, as we're going to see in a future episode, girl, if you need my cincher, I'll let you borrow my cincher. You know, that kind of stuff. I, there is a maturity, which is funny considering the way she's so mean to everybody. But there is a maturity in this that I really appreciate, especially considering you've got such a group of young queens that 
it, it's it's you, you can't help but sometimes picture yourself on these shows, whether it's Drag Race or Survivor or Top Chef or something like that, and you watch some of the meltdowns that people have, and you think to yourself, and you the responses from other people, and I think to myself, I would hope in that situation, I wouldn't go toe for toe screaming and yelling at somebody. I would say, well, now wait a minute, let's take a second. You know, you just said this, and saying it in a calm way, kind of like what she said. You know, you're having you're the one having the problem with this. So rather than screaming about it, let's work on it because a lot of other queens in that room and in other seasons would have taken that as an opportunity to just scream and yell at one another and, and nothing would have got accomplished from it. So I, I appreciate that about the maturity of Bianca Del Rio. Yeah, even early on, and now we're, we're starting to see even in episode four, she's starting to get more comfortable with the camera. So she's not trying as hard. Uh, she does still try hard when she when it's very obvious the camera's on her. So I, th- I feel she's still trying hard on Untucked. Mm-hmm. But um, during when she's just in the workroom, she's just forgotten the cameras are there by this point. And there is a sort of regal air to her. Where and, and you know, like for instance, I felt when Bob was on season eight, there was a like he knew he won, and there was a sort of like arrogance about it. They almost didn't want to see him win. Right. Because he was so cocksure about how he was going to win, you know? Yeah. And you're like, fucker, he is going to win. And he knew it. And he kind of, I think it was kind of, it was not cute at some points. Whereas with Bianca, she has that same self-confidence that she's better. Like, she's sized up the queens and realized that none of them really come close to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And so there's a confidence, but without any arrogance. It's yeah. kind of like, well, let's just play this out, you know? But it doesn't feel like... She doesn't feel entitled, you know, self-entitled to the to the crown. Yeah. But yet you know she knows she's better than the rest of them. And it's just like, well, and, let me just go through the motions here and get my crown. And I would kind of disagree with you about, especially this episode of uh, Untucked. There's a, there's a moment with Milk where she where milk is talking about her look and she turns to her and says well would okay do you feel like you could defend that on the runway and she says it in a way that's not shady that's not reading it's like a i'm genuinely interested because i you know while i may not understand or may not like your look i just i'm curious it, it it's not like done to like try to intimidate anybody it it it, it's just, it's just this little moment that I thought to myself. Well, my first thought was with that and the you're the one screwing you know you're screwing up so let's work on it and you know even some of the other stuff that she says later on the episode on Tucker I'm like she's clearly been in therapy. <laughs> some of the responses that she has I think is where she 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 responds to things in a way that I think is very mature and looks at things like we're we're going to take a step back. And we're going to allow, like, allow the dust to settle to some degree. And I, I, I don't know. I just th- this. I remember a moment coming up where it's kind of the moment that I really started to like Bi- uh, Bianca. And I feel like looking back and knowing ahead of time what I'm going to see later on, that moment is coming sooner than I remember. Because at this point, I just remember a lot of like you know the eye rolls and the whole thing of where she looks in the camera and smirks with the whole you know with the interviews and just she I was over her this this part of the uh, season. But I'm I'm liking what I see a second time around. Moving on on Team Adore, April doesn't want to play Butch. Jocelyn has a unique tone to her voice, and Adore continues to be insecure. 
Now, Dory, what character are you playing? I am playing Bad Penny. Now, that's a big singing role, isn't it? It is. That's something you should excel at. It should be cool. <laughs> well, why do you doubt yourself like that? Last week, the note for you was to be prepared when you hit the set. You have to do your homework. I'm pretty nervous because I really, really want the judges to see that I'm not a filler bitch. All right. That's actually all I pulled for Team Adore. Team Adore's uh, storyline this episode was very much in the background. There wasn't a lot of drama on their storyline. Right. But was there anything you wanted to bring up with Team Adore? No. I I wonder now, especially with you bringing up the whole live thing, if they had decided once they realized it. it I, I almost wonder if there is a track someplace of Shade the Rusical with some studio singers that they decided, we have two people from Idol on this season. Let's let, let's use them, and then we'll just see who else kind of floats to the top and who sinks. Because, I mean, it's clear. There's two main spe- there's two main singing roles. They have two people that were contestants on Idol. Why wouldn't they allow for that opportunity? Yeah, but then I was thinking, like, why wouldn't they put... Why wouldn't they engineer it that Darian was on the team where they needed the big girl? Well, because one team had four and one team had five. Or one team had six and one team had five. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, why didn't... If they're that concerned, why? Oh, oh, oh you're. What are you saying? Say it again. Say it in, in. I'm stupid. <laughs> no, you're not stupid. Okay. I, I. Wow. Okay. <laughs> have you been to a therapist lately? <laughs> um, I'm, I have my flipper teeth on, and you know what? I'll are just you fall talking off the with stage. a cork? Look, I have a cork. Right. Where's my cork? Oh shit! What did I do with my cork? What was I talking about? Okay, so one team had six, and one team had five. Yeah. And maybe they just. Just you know, they didn't know which team was going to pick Darian, so maybe it was just sort of that because the team with six had six. The, the team had so who picked first? Was that I uh, team Ben picked first? Team Ben. So maybe Ben didn't think to pick Darian. Well, he didn't know what script he has either. Right. So I mean, yeah, but if if they give somebody a script because there because there if there were five roles on the mm-hmm. one, they have to give them where there's six roles on the other one. So if there's six people on his side, they can't give him a script for six and a, the other six group for five. Does that make sense? I, math is hard. So I, <laughs> but I'm I'm the the Bianca role was uh, not the Bianca the the big girl role was on Team Adore, right? Team Adore didn't so, have Darian on it. So yeah, okay. But if Team Adore picked no, wasn't it Team Milk? No, Adore and no. Ben. Okay, so if Team Adore went second, then she was always going to have five, and Team Ben was always going to have six. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't. I'm know. going. What I'm, what I'm. The point I'm making is, you're saying that it was engineered because they knew they were going to have two singers. Yes. But I kind of feel like both Adore and Courtney oversang their songs. I don't well, think right, you need. Yeah. I, if they know it's a live, th- if Ben knows it's a live, got to be a live performance, and he needs people that can sing, and a door is already on one, and he gets to go first, he would be a fool not to pick Courtney. Yes, he knew he was doing a musical, so you're right. Yeah, so I mean, so he got to go first, and he didn't necessarily they didn't have the scripts yet, so it's not you know. I mean, I guess technically they could have just, well, but but see, but he wouldn't have known that there was a big girl role in that 
in no, the script, he didn't. or rather, but so, the, the big girl was in Adore's script. Yeah, right. So Adore didn't know there was a big girl in the script, so she wouldn't have said, "Well, I need to get Darian." On yeah, the but voice. my point is, if the producers, because you were making the point that the producers engineered the play to for Adore and Courtney, I'm saying if they were doing that, well, why not engineer that Darian is on the team that they had the big girl. Like, just tell one of them, like, look, I need, we need a door to, we need Darian to be on that team, whatever happens. Well, I mean, I guess they could have done that, but. They didn't, to their credit, they didn't. And look, here's the thing, too. Uh, we can talk about this now, anyway. Well, one little point, did you know, did you clock on the, during Lucian's rehearsal with Team Ador that uh, April Carrion was wearing a Candy Ho t-shirt? Yes, can- Candy Ho t-shirt, I did notice that. Um, anyway, is I didn't even play, I didn't even put this as a storyline because it was such a not storyline, but they were mm-hmm. trying to play up the whole Adore and Courtney were both an American Idol mm-hmm. uh, storyline. I thought it was like, meh. Well, and then they're randomly having where they're both like out trying to outsing each other in the workroom. That, but they really uh, weren't. You could tell. Yeah. It was just, you know, yeah, Courtney was running her lines and Adore was running her lines and they try to make it seem like they're like doing like a sing off. It was so lame and they clearly were not competitive with each other at all that show's dumb but i feel like this i feel the show in it now a season nine or season uh, i can't speak for season 10 but season nine of rupaul's drag race would have somehow made it a bigger deal than it was well yeah well and that's what we've seen that's that's the joy of watching this show is even at seasons season six is kind of the turning season i think for a lot of people's minds because where it's more a lot of the drama that happened after season six because is is more manufactured not even necessarily i think by the producers but also by the queens themselves they recognize that if they can get a go back to party city moment where you belong type moment that that is going to be that's going to be the moment of all moments of the season they all are trying for not even necessarily to win but to get that moment to have that you're gorgeous you look like linda evangelista they're they're looking to have that whereas i think still by season six you weren't seeing that as much it was really about the competition you know we've we talked ad nauseum about season seven where you talked about it and i talked about it a couple times but it's it that was kind of where you start to see the turn where you start to see the the it's all about publicity versus all about the art of drag in some ways you know, which is also kind of an ironic statement because you we talked about the fact that Milk is definitely somebody that is ahead of her time, and you see more of that in later seasons. So you know, it's not just about being the fishy queen. It's uh, there's there's other stuff going along with it. But yeah, the season six, I I am so in my own head right now. Go, go ahead, keep talking. I'm sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I think I just had a stroke. I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, no, just to touch on what you were saying. Yeah, it's so funny that the, that the season, it's the season, I don't know how to explain it, but the attitude of this Queens and the season is such that Milk is this total weirdo. Yeah. And yet in subsequent seasons, they seem to have cherry-picked a lot of what Milk has done or tried to do um, and put it into the show. And I think I think season six around that time is when Conchita Wurst won... Uh, what Eurovision? Yeah, and so she was all over the news. And Conchita Wurst, for those of you don't know, is a, is a I don't know how Conchita Wurst identifies herself. I... We'll say drag queen, but I don't think she's really a drag queen. She'll be trans. I don't, I don't know I what she, she's. I want to. Yeah, she's she's gender fuck. I mean, yeah, that would be. And she looks like a woman. She wears the makeup, but she has a full beard. 
Mm-hmm. And that was like the big hit of Eurovision that year. I think it was that year. And yeah. um, because that season seven was when they all did the beards uh, for the runway challenge. Yeah. So I think they started like, oh, you know what? Maybe Milk was onto something here. And so then they started to incorporate it. But on the season, they're kind of, as we'll, as we'll hear it on Tucked, because again, as we all know, the producers engineer these fights, particularly mm-hmm. on Untucked. And so uh, the, it, when it, Gia comes for Milk, but it's really the show coming for Milk. Yeah. They just, help, they just help Gia do it. It's Elimination Day, and Courtney and Adore bond over their idol experiences. Gia doesn't know what a Tony is, and Gia Gunn shares her experience in Kabuki Theater. On the main stage, the girls perform the musical live in front of the judges. Okay, so let's actually talk about the finished product. Okay. And we can talk about anything that happened on Elimination Day you want to talk about. But what was your take on the finished musical? I I really liked it. I mean, it, it's definitely one of those that sticks with you. I mean, even like when we've talked about other scenes, other other where they do this sort of musical challenge, I don't remember a lot of them. But Shade the Rusical is one that I definitely always remember. I know. Wasn't Daniel a huge fan of Shade the Rusical? Or I feel like he talked about it a lot. Oh yeah, Daniel. Like Daniel always. No, Daniel really loved. Glamazonian Airways, which I believe no, is I loved seven. Glamazonian Airways. He oh, loved, so he loved Bitch Perfect. He oh, he loved Bitch Perfect. Right, but I feel like he really loved Shade the Rusical as well. Lo- loves, but sh- loved, but you know, loves. Shade the Rusical, Shade the Rusical is the only one where the girls sang, right? Because um, Bitch Perfect, Glamazonian Airways, they're lip syncing. And what was the one for nine? Did they do one for nine? Yes, they did. Um, we just did it, right? Huh? <laughs> oh, the Kardashian the musical. Oh, okay, yeah. So, and what did they do for eight? Oh, eight was bitch perfect. Eight was bitch perfect. Okay, all right. So, yes, it was the only one where they sang, and I thought some of the other people th- their voices weren't horrible. I thought Ben Delacreme's voice was pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else now. That's the only one that I remember off the top of my head, but. You know, I thought I thought they were they were fun. It was it was a fun show. It was again tongue in cheek, kind of making fun of some of the other you know of some of the queens, but doing it in a way that was appreciative. So I would also like to say though that I did find Gia's information or Gia's revelation, whatever you want to call it, about her being in Kabuki very interesting. It's probably the most interesting thing that she reveals on the show. And that that is something that is, I I would say, we haven't really had very many Asian contestants on. And for her to speak to something that is very Asian as far as Kabuki theater and that be part of her story is was I, I, I that is one thing I appreciated about her and some of the information that she provided. We didn't have Sasha Valor talking about it in season nine about the history of Kabuki theater like we could have possibly had. Don't joke about that. Huh? Don't joke about that. <laughs> I used to do kabuki theater all the time. <laughs> I was part of a kabuki theater in Russia. And um, did you, you know, for the, uh, I wanted to make a little meme that was um, Ginger Minge talking about the te- the Houston hurricane being like, my basement is flat. And then it'd be Sasha Valor interrupting going, don't joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Uh, you totally should. The people on Reddit are so mean. Um, by the way, you know, Taylor and I are in a private group conversation. Uh-huh. And did you see in that private group, someone was talking about they had gone to 
that area to help a, a relative. Yeah. And I said, his basement was flooded. And he goes, oh, he doesn't, they don't have basements in Texas. <laughs> and I didn't. You th- there's no basement at the Alamo. You should yeah. know that. <laughs> And then everyone laughs at me and I run out. And <laughs> I'm like, ah. Um, yeah. And he, I'm, I'm not going to, you know what? He is feeling himself on what he did. And so I'm not going to go like, no, that's a ginger. You're talking about how you did something noble. Uh, that's a ginger minge reference. <laughs> because all we do is we just release drag race content, even in chat, private chat rooms. That's yeah, all we even do. in private that's chat like, rooms. That's all we're yeah. good for. Yeah. We're only good for drag race content. <laughs> Don't joke about that. Uh, okay. It's time for the looks. All right. Uh, let's go over the looks. I can tell you that uh, as a whole, for the oh, most part, kind of a boring week this week. I would yeah, hold on. S- I closed the wrong, I meant to close Google Drive and I closed Dropbox. Okay. Well, I can pretty much tell you what every look is because <laughs> it all looks exactly the same. Oh, you know, while, you know, while we're here, I want to do a correction. Okay. Uh, you were talking about how terrible RuPaul looked on episode three, and I said, no, she doesn't. I, Taylor, look, peek behind the curtain. Taylor and I recorded two episodes that day. She looked awful, episode three. Yes. She looked, I thought it was the episode two look, where she looked great. She looked, she looked terrible with the gray, with the, uh, with, and the, the pull, it, it was, it was not, it was not a good look. I get that she was trying something new, and choices. That's it was not it was not her best look. Okay, so first out on the runway is Bianca Del Rio, and she is in a gold sequined dress with white fur on the bottom and a big white flower in her hair. Um, I thought she looked okay. I, I would give this one a a boot, I guess, if I had to. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's the big complaint about Bianca Del Rio. It's always the same silhouette. And so it's essentially just a, a different version of a dress we've already seen. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll give it a boot for Bianca, but it's not a bad look. It's just mm-hmm. a boot. It's like, no, it's not a t- yeah. terrible look. It's just, it's it's kind of, that's kind of, everybody is kind of boring this week with the exception of one or two. And we'll get to, get to that in a moment. Next up is Trinity K. Bonet wearing a dark blue dress with a long kind of cape at the waist and a cinched uh, beaded belt with a with light brown hair this is probably my favorite look of it's in my top three of favorite looks of the night um i thought she looked great she is serving angela bassett realness again and those arms are i am living for the muscles in those arms so i would give this look a toot what about you i like it i don't know how i feel about the jeweled belt I don't know what the solution is because I literally wear black t-shirts and jeans every day, but <laughs> I don't know if I like that middle section with the g- whatever the gems in it. Yeah, but I like everything else. I'm always a big fan of the of uh, hide your butt robes, so uh, I, I g- I'll give this one a, a toot. Actually, all right, okay. So we have another sequined dress. Only this one is green from Darian Lake. Who has is very serving very Adele in this? Even though Adele I, was Adele around then, she yeah, was, she would have been around by the yeah, yeah, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, so has her hair kind of up in a big in a big bun. Um, it's it's boring. I, I give it a toot just because they all kind of look alike to me. But why um, didn't she wear this for her St. Patrick's Day? I was just thinking that 
uh, maybe like with all of the sequins and the hair, it would have been too much. So she decided to kind of break it up with that black skirt. But it almost looks like it's the top. And she kind of just like hiked up the skirt like into her panties <laughs> that she wish she wore with the black with the black. Oh yeah, maybe I mean, doesn't it kind of? Look, yeah, I mean the the top actually I know is is much higher up on the St. Patrick's Day thing, but that's kind of the look that I'm getting. So do so you give this a boot or a toot? I give it a toot. I like it. I know you're usually you're okay. very hard on Darian, but okay, that's not well. I guess that is kind of true. Okay, um, I next up is Gia Gunn, who is wearing a nude colored dress that flares out at the mid thigh, and she's serving very pageant realness. Uh, I give this look a toot. What do you think? Yeah, as I said before, it's a toot. It's a very safe toot, but it's a toot. Oh, I'm getting my toots and my boots mixed up, but I, I give this a boot. Oh, actually. you do. This is not. Yeah, this is not this is not my favorite look. I'm fine with it. I think, like I said, I still stick with it. it's a safe toot. I, th- you know what, that is a perfect way to describe most of these dresses. I'm fine with them. I wasn't necessarily wowed by anybody, um, including our next queen, which is Bianca, De- not Bianca Del Rio, Ben De La Creme, who was wearing a red dress with a huge floral thing <laughs> uh, on top of her, and then she has red in her hair as well. I thought her silhouette was great with this, and I liked I liked the updo. So I would give this one a toot as well. So here's the thing. is Cheryl Lee Ralph says, gives her that old Coco Chanel line about taking one thing off. Right. And she takes that whatever that is uh, off her shoulder. And it does look better with it off, but then it's just a boring red dress. Yes. It's just it's a red dress you could buy at any Dillard's anywhere in the in the country. So, so then I guess I I'll give it a boot because if you need that gross thing then <laughs> that tumor. Yeah, if you need that dress tumor, then um yeah. It looks like a lobster wearing oven mitts. <laughs> okay. Um next up is a very washed out picture of uh Courtney Act. I apologize for that. But uh, she's wearing a silvery sequined dress that is up the, up the leg to a, just below the hip. And she has, uh, I think she has like a pinkish hair, tone to her hair. She looks pretty, but I'm fine with it, to quote you, to quote Joe Batance, but nothing necessarily special about it. So I'll give it a toot, but it's a toot with reservation. I feel like in, 2000, in March 2014, a young pheromone saw this and was like, that could be me. Yeah. It doesn't have... That's, that's a... It has a lot of pheromone to it. Yeah. Absolutely. You're all right on that. So, next up... So, I mean, you give that a boot or a toot? I'll give it a toot. Okay. All right. Next up is Laganja Estranja, who is wearing a patterned dress that kind of has... I'm not sure what that is, if that's... Fe- it must be feathers that go kind of from a slit in the front down the back, and then she has on a headdress that is wings. This is probably my favorite look that Laganja ever has. I'm not a huge Laganja fan, but I thought she looked great. I thought that dress was amazing. So I would definitely give this one a toot. This might be, this is in the running between this and Trinity for my toot of the night. What about you? Yeah, I really like this look. I give it a big toot. I think she looks fantastic here. This is actually probably the best she's looked so far. I don't remember all her looks from the entire season. But mm-hmm. I would definitely say this is the best she's looked so far this season. She looks fantastic. She's unclockable. Okay. A big toot. <laughs> All right. Next up is April Carrion, who is wearing a white dress with, I don't know what the hell you'd call it. And she has um, a wig on incorrectly. 
And uh, I th- this dress for her being such a little queen is just way too heavy a look for her. And it looks very bridal. And I, I am not a fan of this look at all. So as much as I, I love our April, cute little April, which I found all sorts of pictures online of April as, as a Twinkie boy. Mm-hmm. Very, I'll have to send them to you. So it's very, very cute. Um, I give this look, though, this is a boot. Yeah, I don't like it. Drag queens love to dress as like middle-aged women a lot of times. Yes, and I don't know why. And this is one of the. She looks like Anna Navarro from CNN. They're like the Republican who's like now hates Trump. <laughs> and um, I don't know why she's doing this look. I, I don't like it. Uh, yeah, it's a boot for me. Yeah. All right. So next up, Jocelyn Fox wearing a like a powder blue prom dress for the and some enormous necklace uh very plain just, just just it just it looks like a dress that she got at a department store for a prom and i i'm not a fan i give this one a boot you know i actually like it and I, you know i got a chance to really look at it and untuck and i thought maybe if jocelyn's very basic and so I think she looks good in very basic stuff. And so, yes, it's very basic, but I think she looks good in it. And I'm going to give it a toot. I liked her. I will say this about Jocelyn. I liked her makeup in Untucked. They show her. They do a lot of close-ups of her. And there's something about it. Even with that 15-year-old pink, like, hot pink lipstick, there's something about it. And maybe that's what she's going for. She's going for, like, because it was supposed to be, like, award show realness. And maybe she's going for, like, the young ingenue you know, like a Taylor Swift 10 years ago kind of kind of thing where she wants to be all like, you know, I'm a princess and this is my first award show. So that might be what she's going for. But I, I was not a fan of the dress. All right. Next up is Milk, who came out looking like she was pregnant with crazy hair and and looks like she has on red socks with high heels with a big daisy on the side of them. And I appreciate it being different. That being said, I think it's a mess. I give it a I give it a boot. What say you? So okay, so here's the thing. I love milk and I love what she's doing here. Not what she what she does with drag, but I, I, I'm going to call a Kennedy Davenport in her, and I feel she just brought this outfit and she just wanted to use this outfit and she didn't give a shit about this Fakakta challenge. She was like, "I'm going to be this pregnant person," and yeah, I would, and just, and just when they go like, "And you would wear that to the Tonys," yeah. I would run it to the Tonys. Like, no, you wouldn't. You know, you yeah. had this outfit and you're like, this is the outfit I'm going to wear now. And it is a little frustrating because like do the challenge. And in, and this challenge called for glamour and she should have done, she should have given them glamour. I'm actually shocked. And I could see why the drag queens were shocked as well. I'm actually shocked that she was safe. Yeah. Well, but she was, she was on the team that won though. So unless they decided to change it and put it where everybody was up for individual, she, she oh there was a losing team. Oh, was there? No, you're right. They weren't. Okay, I got that. No, they wrong. were judges. They were judges individuals. Yes, I I got that wrong for reasons that we'll talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's just it's not it's not a. It's not. It's not a good look. Yeah. All right. So. Who's next? All right. And then our final look is Adora Delano in a silver and black uh, strapless dress, and her hair is off to the side. Uh, I thought she looked great. I know there was discussion about her not cinching, 
but I think that the silhouette allows for you to kind of get away with that a little bit. Uh, so I think I think she looks very pretty here. So I would give this one a toot. Well, again, this is it's funny that three years ago is so long ago now, but I think she looks the best she's looked so far. So I think she looks good. I think she looks really good. I haven't, I haven't been a fan of her look so far this season. But also, I would argue, first of all, Michelle's a big fat pig this season. Okay? <laughs> Let's just be honest. So you can't say things like that when I'm taking a drink. I was not expecting that. <laughs> she looked awful today. She looked like a tube of toothpaste that they were trying to squeeze the last of it out. Michelle, but Mich- she did look. She did look horrible on judges. Panel, yeah, I will give you that. And uh, so for her to be like, "Why aren't you cinching?" But then to me, my argument would be like, "Well, that's not the body aesthetic that I'm trying to promote. I'm trying to promote body positivity, and cinching is an unnatural." thing to do to your body and I, I know that a lot of drag queens do it to promote a more feminine look but as we'll see the following season season seven violet tchotchke took it to a, a whole new level that was right. even almost kind of unsafe so uh i would say if i were do- i would say it looks good and i would be like shut up bitch since your mouth <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay Michelle's very cunt. I think Michelle got a lot of hate this season. Maybe I don't. I don't know. How she, I can't remember how she was in season seven. But at a certain point, I think Michelle decided she wanted to be loved, or she liked getting love. And so I think she's a lot. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily nice, but she's a lot softer now. Yeah, and uh, I think also she realized she's going to have to work with him. At some point. Well, that's what I was going to say. Wasn't this really, like, with season six? Isn't When did, like, Battle of the Seasons tours really start? Was that five or six, or? I don't know. I know Maybe four? They may have started before that, because they were started by Mimi M first. And then PEG came in and basically ripped it off. They like, stole it from Mimi M first. Like, literally said, oh, hi, Mimi M first. And then, like, fired her. And now they own uh-huh. it. But she was she had been doing them, but I don't know when she started doing them, and I don't know when they got as big as they are now. And that's the looks. <laughs> now it's good untucked. While the best and the worst remained on the main stage, the safe girls untucked backstage in the silver lounge while sipping the girls. Oh, while the girls sipped their cocktails, Gia Gunn had a conversation with Milk about her choice for a look. Now we're going to do the same thing we did last week. These clips, I will say, we're not doing the whole episode. I will, I, you know what's you know what's funny, Taylor? I'm going to make you a guess. What I got the whole milk and Gia fight. How long would you guess it is? It felt like it went on forever, which means it's probably shorter. I would say maybe three minutes. Yeah, it's like three minutes. I thought it would be like ten minutes. It's like yeah. Three. No, it felt like it went on forever. Yeah, it felt like three. Yeah. I'm all, ugh. I was like, we're going to play the whole fucking... Un- That's why I texted you it was going to be a two-hour episode. <laughs> By the way, I-, I feared Taylor was dead today. <laughs> I was like... Okay. All right. I had... By the way, all those noises were my chair. I did not just fart. Um, okay, well, you didn't hear that, so never mind. No, you're like... I, you, you, I, I Skyped out. Oh, okay. Never mind, then. You'll hear, you'll hear, it, on the, you'll hear it on the recording. So, no, take it out. I don't want to hear that. Take what out? That you had a fart? No, I didn't fart. I said, no, I would not. No, I said that noise was my chair. I did not just fart. Oh, you see, because you Skyped out, you heard, I just, I, that was just a fart or something. That's what I heard. Oh, 
God, no. Or, like, but like, now you have to keep all this yeah, in. that noise was a fart. I heard that noise was a fart, and I was like, um, why is he telling me that? And he's like, and you're going to hear it on the recording. And I was like, uh, no, take it out. I don't want to hear that. Okay, so I, ha- I had got into work today, and the air conditioning in our office was not working. Now, a couple of weeks ago, the air conditioning was out, and it got so bad that they sent everybody home. Yeah. So I was immediate, and I had a day of things that I was going to do, including meeting my old boss, who is now a vice president with my company, for lunch. So driving there, I half expected to get a phone call from Joe on the way to lunch. And I was listening to something that he had requested that I listened to. So I was hoping he didn't call me. Not that I don't want to hear the dulcet towns of, of Joe Patanz. Yeah. But I also wanted to listen to what it was, he, this track that he was sending me. So then he starts texting me all through lunch. It's my new album. I've, <laughs> your album that's dropping mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. week. Um, and then I realized that I was late for work to get back to work, even though I was with my boss's boss's boss. But I had to drive back to work only to find out in the middle of this hot box that I was staying in for work that we are getting a surprise audit tomorrow. And I had to pull a bunch of charts and make sure the charts were done, all that kind of stuff. So heat plus anxiety equals exhaustion came home, threw my bag on the couch, watched Untucked, had dinner with my partner and was just relaxing to completely forgetting that my phone is in the other room and that Joe had sent me a series of text messages during the day that I forgot to respond to. So he felt the need to reach out to other people to make sure that I was, in fact, still alive. And then we started taping the show for all of you wonderful people who support us. Thank you. Not only are we being judged also on our performance in the musical, do we think that we are also judged based on our looks on the runway or that doesn't matter? Yeah, so we're all looking at you, Mama. What you think? Go on, defend, baby. I'm curious. Were you ready to defend this? What? Were yeah. you ready to defend this? I part? mean, this is my drag. It's so. This is the part you were talking about, Taylor, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just the way that she asked that. It wasn't like a "I'm coming for you." It's just a "Let's talk about it." Let's let's just talk about it because I'm curious. Okay. And I like that. Say, like I will not put on a dress and just be a pretty girl. Right. Here's right. what I like about you, though. It's organized chaos. Ah! Like, it, it makes sense. Bitch, anybody that comes down the runway looking like that, thinking that that's Tony Awards, I want to get into your brain. So what's going on? Milk needs to step up her game a little bit in terms of becoming more versatile. This is a drag competition, sweetie. And for those of us that didn't know, now you know. It's- yes. Okay. This is a very telling statement that leads into part two of this conversation is... Of all of the queens there, I would argue that Milk is the most versatile. Milk does give different looks. And Gia saying that, it is an ignorant statement because Gia serves nothing but fish. That is her thing. She has stated that in the first four episodes. She is she is the, the she is the bang bang gun or whatever the fuck she calls herself. I am and the boom boom gun. Serves. Is it the boom boom? Yeah, I am the boom boom. I don't jump the gun. I am the boom boom gun. Yeah, so to make that statement is ridiculous. Thank you very much. You We're going to get to the ignorant part in a second, but she is being very ignorant. And the fact that it is ironic that she's ignorant of what the word ignorant means. Yeah. Definitely out there, but if I were going to the Tony Awards, 
that I, I'd be that crazy bitch. Right. I Bullshit. wouldn't necessarily be that right. girl in the mermaid dress. And let me tell you, honey, I'm sorry, but drag means dressing up as girls. <gasps> That's this is, this is this is this shows their perspective that it's a fishy that they hold yeah. fishy in the highest regard. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't see femininity. Clearly I'm on the 10 and she's on the 1, but Oh. Oh shit. Here we go again. Anything you want to say there? I'm just going to stop at intermittent points. No. No, I other than the fact that they love the shade by oh, the season. They're, they're just <laughs> There's just somebody literally just sitting with the cow. I mean, we're they're just hitting it all the time with everything everybody's saying. Yeah. You're ignorant. I'm sorry. It, it's ignorant. Oh, ignorant. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, ignorant would be me not wanting go. to better educate myself. Well, educate yourself. But, yeah. That's why I'm there. asking her what she thinks. You know, you're you're reading her. You're not. I'm not reading her. her. And you should have been ready for that hair, but you weren't. Oh, wow. <gasps> Back to you, it. mommy. Back to you. I'm. Let- now I'm a big Gia Gunn fan this season, but she's being super cunty yeah. and super ignorant this season. Well, in this episode. And she is being ignorant. She's saying, your drag aesthetic is not one that I like, and therefore you're wrong. And that you have yeah. to be fishy and you have to be feminine to do drag. And that's not true. But at this stage in Drag Race, like, again, I think at this stage in Drag Race, that did that was true. We were still in a very fishy... That was true. And what we know now about Gia and Gia transitioning oh, yeah. to being a woman, I'm wondering if we... Are I don't know if it's put off, if we're intimidated, if it speaks against what she was going through internally. Uh, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be, you know, we don't like in others what we see in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what we see in front of us is somebody that look in her mind looks like a dude in a dress. And that may be why she's having this visceral reaction, because it's so important to her that she have that beautiful feminine aesthetic that this kind of slaps in the face what this kind of mocks what she feels to be her true identity her true self yeah uh you're right i, I think that's an excellent point Tana. that's an excellent point i wonder what she was feeling during the she male or female mini challenge she yeah. was in you know like was she going like oh i don't want them to know or like I, the, the show was kind of mean to trans people for a long time so all right let's move on because now I'm ignorant, so I'm listening. Oh, God, girl. Oh. She is just sounding so ignorant. She just doesn't get it. She is being ignorant. Maybe she isn't ignorant in general, but in that moment, she was being ignorant. Saying somebody is ignorant is being like, you're fucking the scum of the earth, and you're that's fucking... No, that's where not, I come from, you might as well call me a dumbass bitch, because you calling me ignorant is the biggest fucking insult to me ever. Okay, but she just literally read milk to filth. But yet, someone saying she's ignorant, you're insulting her. Yes, but she got called on it. She got called on it in a way. I kind of loved Jocelyn during this moment. And I forgot how much I liked her as a queen. And that she stood up for milk. And she she did it in a way where she goes, you're being ignorant. It wasn't. It, it could have gotten really ugly, and she never necessarily got ugly with her. She just kind of stated, for the record, "Look, knock it off." I, I, I just. This is why I don't like Gia Gunn. I just don't like her at all. Thank you. You're welcome. 
I wasn't How weird. Was ignorant. I was just saying that in this, you were you were acting ignorant that her drag was so different that you need to get into her mind. You were putting her at a level below you that you need to get into her mind because her drag was just so way off that you really need to figure it out. Well, honey, just because nobody's interested in your style because it looks like it came from the fucking quinceanera store doesn't okay, necessarily okay. mean that I can't get into her mind. Okay. Does that make sense? Bitch, are you fucking kidding me right now? You look like a fucking dumpster. I'm not trying to read you. I'm just trying to stick okay. up for her because I don't think she needs to be no, read for but, her look. But the like, thing is that, that if different. she felt read by me, I think she would tell me. She obviously has big balls, honey. She would tell me, okay. right? Sometimes you probably know this. The way you can come across is very just like somewhat elitist. Gia is very one-sided with her idea of drag. I could go off on the number of things that she needs to fix, but I'd rather not. Uh, and that's the end of that clip. You know what's funny is I don't think Jocelyn's drag is that different from Gia's drag. It's not. That that's another where she's she's they pretty much are they have the same hair in this and it's it's they they are very similar. So for her to come at her for that, it just it just shows the the statements that were made as far as you know she looks like a dumpster and if they if I would have come for you for your hair or something like that they should have they should have read you for this it it's just it's somebody who's been backed into a corner mm-hmm. that's kind of what that looks like where they said something and they recognize when they're called ignorant whether she understands what the word ignorant means or not that she's on the losing team at this point nobody's nobody is coming up behind Gia with the exception of Laganja occasionally clucking and hooting behind her. No, no, nobody is coming to Gia's defense. They're all kind of saying, now, wait a minute, that's knock it off. And so we're going to lash out at other people. And that that's what I get from this is that the bully had the tables turned on her to some degree. Yeah. All right. Well, that is, do you have anything else to say on the milk uh, untucked moment there? No. All right. Now we're going to go to the big oh, moment God. of untucked on the season. Now, do you want to guess how long this clip is? This te- clip has got to be longer. This clip, I would say this clip is probably five minutes long. Well, here's the deal. And, and maybe this might why your judgment is clouded here. I didn't include the video of the parents saying anything to Laganja. So okay. what happens on Untucked is Lagan, there's a they go to the gold bar and they have a pink furry box. And in the pink furry box is a message that says... It's from it's a line from uh, from uh, Sissy that walk, but it's it's about flying, and they say bird, and they mean Laganja. and which a weird moment on the tuck is, Gia reads it, then they go to commercial. When they come back, like Jocelyn reads it, it's really really weird. So I didn't notice that. Yeah, I noticed it today. So they read this note, and then the video of the parents comes up on the TV screen, and it's Laganja's parents. Which let, let's have your psychology. I didn't put the video in, but it, the, the parents are pretty much saying like, "Congratulations!" You get the sense that they weren't happy with her doing drag, but they're generally supportive. Right. And she's kind of stone faced during it, wouldn't you say? I noticed the stone face. I definitely that was something that she seemed to shut down. She seemed to where where I I and I don't get why I don't get why if you suddenly see your parents with the exception unless there's been a lot of tension yeah about drag as she mentioned she goes they're they're not they've always supported me but the drag was too much like that was a level of too much so but but the fact that they were saying such 
positive things as far as that, you know, where, where if you have somebody as many, you know, we, we have many LGBT listeners and, you know, that coming out process is very, very difficult for, for whether, whether you're gay, whether you're trans, whether you're, you know, I, I do drag, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. But when you have parents that say, we've been doing a lot of research on RuPaul's Drag Race and we, you know, we want to see you get the crown and all that kind of stuff. I take that as a positive. That would be something that would say, I'm trying. I'm reaching out to you. I don't understand it, but I'm trying to understand better. They did the proper way to handle it rather than the way Gia did it with milk. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, well, I started the, the audio right where the video ends. And I think that's an important place to start it rather than what, what, what one would think where you would start it. I, did, I thought it was important to have the run up. Okay. So here we go. Girl, you've never looked better. That's so sweet. Bianca just said I that. I am so excited and happy and overwhelmed. I never thought in a million years that I would get a message from them. Was it just your home life or was it religion or was it, no, is no, it no, a no, gay no. thing? Is it a drag no. thing? They've always been, you know, 100% supportive of everything I do. Okay. Um, I think that That's so great. the drag thing was, you know, just a little too much. The final too much for yeah. them. You've come a long way, obviously, and they obviously, obviously so have they. are meeting you like at a very good point. I just can't wait to make them proud, and I really have an extra boost of energy, and I'm just going to push forward, and I am going to come home America's Next Drag Superstar. I think your parents are absolutely lovely, and the fact that they're making an effort is good. The only thing I disagree with is that they think you're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's an important joke that she made. That joke is what starts everything. Is that joke? And especially, I didn't yep. realize the clip before. She says, "I'm going to come home, America's next drag superstar," and then they put that joke in. And this, mm-hmm. if you've never seen this untucked, this is where all the shit goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kidding. And she says, "I'm kidding." Yeah. Does everyone's family accept the whole drag thing? How about you, Bianca? Okay, it's fine. I mean, yeah. I'm the fourth out of five. And kid. you can I'm tell she's being boy. like shit faced. So and this is uncomfortable. Is, yeah. You know, by the time I came along. How about you, Milk? Um, it's it's a it's an okay situation. This I mean, my tension mom is what knows. I feel every time she's I do a show with Taylor. She's just like, <laughs> tell your father. <laughs> How are they gonna feel about now that their son is pregnant? <laughs> And I'm not like, how, how did I feel about you being a pregnant drag queen? <laughs> <laughs> and then like a horror thing, where, like, right? <laughs> All slow motion. Here it comes. And they're all like, "Oh God, here it comes." I mean. The importance of this is not the other girls jumping on my coattails and taking this moment for themselves. What's important in this moment is me. I do think it's kind of fucked up how you guys are making a joke of it and saying shady things because this was my moment. It isn't a joke to me. This is real and this is my life and this is something I've waited 24 years for and for you guys to be up here talking about, well, you're not the winner and you're not this. That's not what's important. What's important is that this is my family moment and that's what we should have talked about. This is really special and I do feel hurt that you guys would take advantage of this moment for yourselves. But they did talk about it. And, yep. um, lady. 
What I was saying was I was lightening the mood because it seemed like you were upset about it. I apologize if you took it the wrong way. You sat there. You were very reserved. And I was, I was giving you a second. Because you guys were talking over me and because it was we about kikiing. You. You this in, isn't a kiki. And I apologize if you're hurt. We also have to understand that's Bianca's character. And we all have to accept but that. But that's part. what I'm saying. This wasn't a moment sure. for us to be characters. This was a sure. moment for you guys to be real people and to say, I'm so glad, Jay, Did I you not got this say that? Did I not I didn't say that. feel that way. Okay. I apologize. I'm sure Jocelyn apologized, too. We... It's just we like were, you have to we realize, both, like, this is something I've waited my whole life for because this was about me and this was about me spreading my wings. And goddammit, I will spread my wings. So say what you motherfuckers want, but I am the bird that they want me to be. All right, Taylor, your thoughts. I have so many thoughts and no thoughts at all. It, it's it's the the level of narcissism. And I know this is something where occasionally Bianca will just shout out in shows and stuff. That was my moment. And so I I it's the the level of narcissism is just amazing to me that at some point I I, I can't I, it, it's it, it's it's uh, like you, you kind of want to diagnose her, but you don't want to diagnose her mm-hmm. all the same time. I mean, there's definitely some narcissism going on there. I, I guess the thing that again I'm drawn to in this thing, one moment in particular, which unfortunately we have video. So, but at one point when they're all doing the where they're all talking and everything, which also doesn't sound like a we're all going to try to talk over her or we're going to kind of shut her out. We're all having a conversation that was generated from this moment with Laganja and her parents. And at one point they show a scene where Laganja does this weird, where she turns her head really fast and like sneers at somebody kind of like a little kid would do that just seems so fake to me. And so I, I don't get it. I don't get why you would do something like that. And then at one point where they say, you know, well, we, we, it seemed tense. We made a joke. You weren't doing anything. So we moved on. But she's like, but we needed to talk more about me. There's something so immature about that. There is something so middle school about that and that it's, that we're so self-centered. And I guess this may be kind of the place you know we talked about this being a turning point for the season and they're starting to recognize in tucked these were very common to have the videos from home and i think that she was thinking that it was going to be something else than it actually was and obviously and that was the thing that she was so pissed off about is because it wasn't so much that i had this moment with my parents it's that you took away from my moment on television with my parents and you took away from the fact that i was going to get to have the big mascara tear run down of my face and just talk about how happy i was but because i was dealing with whatever emotional thing i was going through i missed that opportunity and bianca took it bianca took a chance made a joke everybody laughed and they moved on and that's what pisses off Laganja, and that's what pisses me off about this moment. It's just, it's, it's, again, it's a very important moment for this season, as we'll see in a later Untucked, but it's just, it's ugly. And it's not necessarily the other queens that are being ugly. It's also important to note, I have like five thoughts that's going fine. in my head. This is, this is clearly the editing in this section is horrible. 
the the editing of how they kind of mix the conversation together and the thing with the music. And this is the only time that they ever do the slow motion laugh, like the horror <laughs> thing laugh. Thing. That, that's just so like, okay, we get it. She's pissed. She feels neglected. We we you, you don't need to hit us over the head with it. So it, I I just it's it's a great moment and an ugly moment all at the same time. What are your thoughts? Because I've been talking for about as long as that. Uh, what do you call it? Was I? I was. love it, but it's it's just I just love the sheer histrionics of it all, and I I haven't analyzed it to the point that you have analyzed it. I, I that's an interesting mm. point that you thought it would be something else, and but and I think it touches on she's seen that every queen gets one something, they get their quote unquote moment. I think that's what she's talking about. I think you're right that this was for the season her moment, and that. It wasn't given the attention she thought it should be given. And I think she thought that they would all be applauding her and like saying, you go, girl, you are going to win it. But it, it reminds me of um, Alexis Michelle in season nine when I think someone calls her out on it. And when they're like, well, she's like, you should have told me that, you know, I shouldn't have worn that dress. And they're like, we're in this competition, too. Like, yeah, why would you think that? we would help you in a competition that we're competing against you in. And it's also important to note, going back to Bianca, this is the example, this is another example that I was talking about with Bianca, where Bianca could have read her to filth when she started freaking out, and she didn't. She apolo- She kind of apologized, because she said, I'm sorry your feelings were hurt, which is kind of a way of saying, I'm sorry, but go fuck yourself. But, but I, I've talked about way- that before. Hold on, I've talked about that before. Like, Because there have been times where I feel people get mad at something i don't regret saying it you know but they get mad and i feel bad that they are like you know not not to harken back to last week's episode or whatever but you know cameron and i had a huge blowout last november and i said something mm-hmm. that i won't repeat it i said something very 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 cruel to him okay here's the thing i think that truth as cruel as it was needed to be spoken to him and I don't think anyone had ever said it. And I don't regret saying it. It came from what I was feeling at that moment. And I think it it, it, it was a mean thing about how he behaves, you know? <laughs> but he felt awful afterwards. And I felt awful that he felt awful. So why is that non-apology? Because I really do, I am sorry that he feels that way. Unfortunately, it's the truth. But why does if someone thinks an apology is warranted, why do you think oh automatically they deserve that apology? I guess it's I guess it's not necessarily how the apology is what the apology, but how the apology is said. And I'm also looking at it as Bianca, where I think Bianca kind of she doesn't apologize for who she is, but she but she in this way she kind of apologized because she hurt somebody's feelings, but she's not going to apologize for saying something. So that's a good point because I would agree with Bianca here. I don't think Bianca said anything wrong. I think what she said was in the total realm of this show. You know that yes. like it's something that we have all done when it, the when the moment is too tense. Yeah. That somebody threw. I had something like that happen about two hours ago uh-huh. where things were a little too tense with somebody in my life, and because I couldn't take it anymore. I threw a zinger out there Mm -hmm. and it's normal. And I think her explanation of that was something like it was feeling tense. You look like you were upset. I was trying to make, I was trying to make the room laugh. And I would say that hopefully 
I don't think that she was gunning for Laganja. I think she was hoping that when she said that, Laganja would laugh. And then it kind of took this 180 that turned into, a, you know, the expressway to crazy town. And she wasn't sure, you know, she wasn't sure what the hell happened. But my point is, my point is, what is the correct thing to do in that situation where I don't feel Bianca said anything wrong, but she genuinely feels badly that Laganja is taking it that way? What do you say? I would say, I would say it may be in a way that says, you know, I was trying to make a joke. It was not my intention to hurt your feelings. And for that, I am sorry. That sounds a little better than I'm sorry if it hurt your feelings. Because a lot of times when we've had people that said, I'm sorry it hurt your feelings, that's usually that usually is the lead into a but. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings, but you need to understand blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I, I think that maybe kind of saying it in a way, it, it might just be semantics at this point, but – you know, when I've done things like that before and I've recognized that I've hurt somebody's feelings, or I just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was not my intention to hurt your feelings. I am sorry. Okay. Uh, moving on. God, I'm going to love editing this episode. All right. <laughs> Back on the main stage, April and Trinity were in the bottom two and forced to lip sync for their lives. The song, I'm Every Woman by Shaka Khan. The girls both did an amazing job, but in the end, April Carrion was asked to sashay away. Back in the workroom, she had a heartfelt goodbye message. I gave my all. I know Groove saw my effort and just my passion. I wish I could have gone further and just brought that crown to Puerto Rico, but this can only make me stronger. Taylor, any final thoughts on the episode? I will miss April Carrion she's so cute she is so cute but it, it's a great episode it's really you talked about how much you liked episode three of this season i really like this episode i really really like this episode and i'm i'm it makes me excited for because i know they get better as the season goes on that i think i think we did right by talking season six i think i think we made a good choice you know what i'm realizing is and i th- he, it's one of these things where i think i have to rewatch season five but I believe, this is my guess, that season six might be the exception that proves the norm. It's the template that everything is held up against now. Because mm-hmm. it's just so far, I mean, an exceptional season so far. Every episode yeah. has been a home run. But I think that might be the exception. I don't remember season five as well. But I have seen several times I have starred season four. And season four, I haven't done that with season five, but season four is a little rough in the beginning. You have your you have your party city moments and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's not the the season's not as strong as people remember. I think I think part of it with this, and I'm also speaking generally as to how I remember it, and I may be way off at this point, but other seasons, especially season five, the thing I remember most about season five is the drama. The Jinx versus Roxy and the whole Alaska Talks thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and even with season four, you kind of remember it's the drama. It's all the workroom stuff. Whereas with season six, it seems like it's a lot more about the challenges and the and the the, the runway looks and that kind of stuff. There is a more it is more focused on the talent. And I think that's why the, it's better. I think what you're seeing is, is just it's a perfect mix. Like the writing was on point. The looks were on point. The queens were on point. The challenges were on point. And that's not going to happen every season. I think yeah. it's just an unusual thing for season six. Because no, we'll see. But there hasn't been a bad episode yet. And we're in the beginning. Yeah. That's when you expect the shitty episodes. 
Yeah. Because then... <laughs> cut to cut to next week when we go, well, this was the worst episode of season six. Well, next week is Snatch Game. Oh, okay. Then... So then that one's okay. good. And then, we get, as I've said before, the rule is after Snatch Game, when the show gets good. Yeah. So we'll see. But so far, they've all been tens. Nines or tens episodes. Yeah, that's 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 sort of crazy. Um, I do have any final thoughts. You know, uh, I was talking to someone today about the episode who knows a lot about Drag Race, and he was saying this is the first episode, but now that we've talked about it, the only episode where they made the girls really, really work really, really hard. Up until this point, they had never put on a musical. They'd had like the right. singing challenges, like what do you know with "Can I Get an Amen," but they had never done a musical. And this is where they had to sing, dance. It's the biggest production at this point for the show. And I think what they realized, it was almost kind of like the cheerleading challenge, but they'll never do the cheerleading challenge again. They've never had a singing challenge like this again. They, the girls lip sync it now. Yeah. So they have to lip sync and do the choreography and do the looks and all that jazz and the acting. But this is one of the probably hardest challenges the girls have had to do in terms of combining everything. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably, but no, they still have singing challenges, right? Were there any other singing challenges? I don't think there were singing challenges. There have been like the rapping ones. The, the nine had a rapping one. The nine had a rapping one. The all stars had read you wrote you. Did eight have one? I don't remember. I have the worst it's, memory. I keep getting eight and nine mixed up in my head. I totally forget there was season nine. We just did season nine. I know, but in my head, season nine is Bob Bob season. No, it's uh, Sasha Valour. Yeah, that's you were there. Not, that's not a good sign. I know. That's not a good sign for years from now when I go, who won season nine? But, yeah, I know. And they're starting All-Stars 3 in January. Ugh. In uh, season 10 right after that. Thanks, Sasha. I'm going to see Sasha Valor in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Are you excited about that? Yeah. Have you ever seen any of the Drag Race queens in person? I've seen Latrice. I've seen Latrice Royale. And I don't think I told you about this because we were we were off season. Maybe we were off season. I don't know. Everyone, um, I'm not allowed I to talk was... to Taylor during the off season. <laughs> exactly. I block his phone until a day before I know we're going to start taping season mm-hmm. six. You, you've heard um, him say it. You've was, heard him say, I was going to go to lunch with my boss and Joe was texting me and I blocked him. No, that's not what I said. I oh, it's going to be after I edited it, it will. were calling. <laughs> so, okay. I was standing in line for the Country Bear Jamboree at Gay Days this mm-hmm. year. Insert joke here. And Coco Montrese was standing next to the line of all these big bear guys in full drag with full Dorito makeup on. Mm-hmm. She looked really good. She was sta- she was standing taking pictures with people. And by the time I got my phone all set up and everything, with the line was moving too fast. Because, oh. you know, because when you think of, like, you know, big fat guys in the heat, we all run places. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. I, and by the time I got my phone set up on my camera, it was, or my camera set up on my phone, it was she was she had already walked away. But so technically, I've seen two. But I've seen Latrice perform, and she did uh, Gladys Knight doing "If You Don't Know Be My Now" with a complete intro in the beginning. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So are you excited for this? Then this will be your first. Like you're like oh, because when you saw Latrice, I imagine before you started talking about the, her. Oh yeah, no. This was this was maybe season five, or it might have been around season six. Oh, okay. And I, I I will say this: I was about a foot away from her while she was performing, and she's she's uh, she's amazing. Um, but this will be the first time I've seen a whole show with I think there's I think there's six of them. I'm I'm not. Will sure. it be weird for you when you're like I've been talking about you guys? You know. I know, right? Yeah, but I don't think they're going to let me near them. We didn't we didn't get the ultra VIP. You know, wristband. No, I'm not saying that you like say that. that to them. I'm just saying when you're going to be thinking that, when you're like, oh my God, I was talking about Trinity Taylor every fucking week. 
more importantly, yeah. will they know that I've been to- that will they know that I've been talking about them? Because maybe they listen to Drag Race Recap and they know that Taylor lives in Tampa. And I think I mentioned on one of the last season nine shows that I bought tickets. So they'll think somewhere out there in the dark, there's been a man who's ripped me to shreds on a podcast. Is Eureka on this? Well, no, because she'll be season. They're filming season ten as we speak, so she's not. Gonna no, be there. Eureka. Eureka has been with um, some of the tour, but she is not with this one. I want to say it's Trinity, Eureka, Alexis, Aja. Mm-hmm. I think Peppermint's not part of it because I was the one that I was going to go ape shit if Peppermint was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's somebody I don't remember who else. Now they often do a Q and A during the show. Are you going to ask any questions? Do you want me to ask a question? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any questions for them. I wasn't going to. I mean, you know, who, name just, who's going to be there again? Let me look it up. Sasha, I've interviewed, I, so no questions. What is it? Um, Work the world, isn't it? Cat oh, battle on the catwalker. No, no, battle on the catwalk. No, there's like the catwalk one. There's the battle on the runway, and then there's the no. Wait, is it? I don't remember. There's so many different ones now. Aja, Alexis Michelle, Eureka Pheromone, Kamora Black. I want to say uh, Shay. Shay Coulee is part of it. I've interviewed most of those people already. I have no interest. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but ask a question. Great. Maybe we'll talk about it on this show. Maybe. But no one will know except for our wonderful listeners. Yeah, our wonderful listeners, yeah. people who listen to this season. Well, that concludes this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Join us next week and every week as we dissect, discuss, and deconstruct each episode during this very special season of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. RuPaul's Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast. To learn more about Afterthought Media, visit afterthought.media. To support us on Patreon and to gain access to our other shows, please visit us at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. For a small monthly fee, you gain access to hours of bonus content weekly, frequent live shows, and access to our extensive back catalog. To contact the show, email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Drag Race Recap, and follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap. You can find Taylor the Latte Boy on his other podcast called Pod Is My Copilot, available at podismycopilot.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow Taylor on Twitter at P-I-M-C Taylor and on Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Joe Batanz is the host of many other podcasts and you can find those podcasts at afterthought.media or at patreon.com slash drag race recap. You can follow Joe Batanz on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batanz, that's J-O-E-B-E-T-A-N-C-E. This episode was recorded in the summer or fall of 2017 and originally released on Patreon.